Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Lucas. And this is Slightly Qualified Film Students, the podcast to catch up on all your film nerd commentary. Join Ben and I each week as we discuss all things film. We are Slightly Qualified Film Students. Okay. Hello. We're back. Back at it. Wow. It's been a... One year hiatus. Yeah, it's been been about a year. Um, It's been about a year. A a lot has changed. We're... uh, (laughs) We're no longer high school filmmakers. Now we've uh, we've moved past no that. We've become we're still we're we're still slightly qualified film students. Yeah. But now we're a little bit more qualified and a little in, bit more of actual film students. So we're in, we're actual film students now mm-hmm. in the big leagues in university. Yeah. Um. So. And if anything, also, we've just got more pretentious. So. Exactly because we're. <laughs> art students now. yeah um liberal arts uh so we're back we're revamping the podcast we're coming in with a little bit of a different uh idea yeah for this podcast we basically just want this to be a place where we can just talk all things film talk about what's on our mind when it comes to movies update you on new films old films anything we've seen and just talk about the movies we love. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Because I think the formula we were using before just got, like, super played out and, like, not that yeah. fun to we do did, anymore, so. Yeah, exactly. A little we did too like, film review-y. We did almost 40 episodes. Sheesh. Like that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of movie reviews. We covered a lot of great films. You, they're still all there, so you can go and check out any movies you would like. But now we're coming at you. This is going to be technically season three of Slightly Qualified right. Film Students. And yeah. we're just going to talk about whatever we want. So every week it's going to be a surprise. You can check the title and see kind of what the synopsis of our conversation is going to be that week. Yeah. Um, the plan is we're going to come out with uh, two podcasts a week, shorter, so they're going to be nice and just like quick listens you can check out every week. Um, and yeah, starting off this week, we are going to revamp our top 100 movie yeah. Um, ranking. Yeah. Because obviously it's been a year since we did that and a lot has changed We've watched tons of movies. Um, I don't know about Lucas, but I watch probably at least three movies a week. Like, at least. So, oh, the list yeah. is constantly let me check changing. My, let me check my letterbox really quickly uh-huh. and see exactly how many movies I've watched this year. So, this year, which was started in January, that was like two months after we stopped the podcast, I've watched 148 movies. Okay, now I gotta, I gotta check mine. Um, yeah, so I guess that's all the movies that we watched starting in 2022. Yes, uh, I watched 148. I have watched 115 movies this year. Hey. Yeah. Okay, you gotta catch up. I I do. I feel like it's because, it I feel out. like it, does it count if you rewatch stuff? Because I've rewatched a lot of stuff this year. I, no, it still counts it okay. for your diary. Like. Yeah. Five of those forty-eights are Scott Pilgrim versus the World for me because, uh, <laughs> like, four I of that them movie are fear. Four of them are Fear and Loathing for me. I just kept getting watched, opportunities to watch Fear and Loathing in yeah. like settings where it made sense, and so I just kept doing it. Sometimes there, there's just movies like that. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was a forty-eight hour uh, time span where I watched Scott Pilgrim five times. That's with incredible. The boys. That's. I don't know why it. Ha- you know. The philosophy there was we rented it on <laughs> Apple TV. You gotta make the most. And we of had it. it. Like we had it for <laughs> We had it for forty eight hours, and we were like, we every time we were bored, we just threw it on. So yeah. we watched it five times in that forty eight hours. Five and a half, actually. We were like halfway through, and then it was like your forty eight hours are up. Damn. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's so, amazing. I love. That's a great movie. So. If you're gonna it's do great. it with anything, you might also, well. yeah, exactly. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I've seen it three times now. I just watched it literally an hour and a half ago for mm. my film class. 
third time this year. Third time in the last like three months, actually. Yeah, um, it didn't come out that long ago. So. And it still holds up. Every single time I've watched this movie, I feel the exact same thing. And that's why it's a masterpiece. And I don't think anything is going to be better to come out this year. Oh, it's definitely. the first film. It feels like it's, it's defining the fir- this whole era yeah. of filmmaking. So exactly, not just this year, I think but it's- any year will be hard to top it. I think it's going to be like like the inception of the 2020s. You yeah. know where it's like at the end of the decade it's going to be in everyone's like top 5 top 10 best films of the decade type thing. For sure. It's just one of those like standout movies. I mean, this is the first film that I have given 5 stars to in as far as new releases go since 2017, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. 2017, so that's like five years of new releases. First time I've given a five-star. Damn. This movie's a masterpiece. Absolutely amazing. We'll probably talk about it more on another podcast, but... Well, it'll both come up in our top 100s, so... Yeah, exactly. Um, Today we are going to go over number 100 to 91. Yeah. Every week we're going to cover 10... So 10 episodes all together, and you're just going to get to sit back and enjoy listening to us talk about our top 100 movies. So 100 to 91. Mm-hmm. Ben, you want to start it off? Sure, I'll start it off. Uh, so, okay, starting off the top 100 with number 100, um, the last film on the list is one that I watched pretty recently, um, Paul Schrader's second latest film, First Reformed. Uh I Lucas had been nice. hyping this movie up for a long time, and he kept telling me that I would love it, and he was not wrong. Uh, I'm a sucker for four three. I I fuck with the Catholic aesthetic. It's great. Um, this film looks amazing, yeah. and it was a lot darker than I thought it was gonna be. Like, mm-hmm. I was going in, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but. I definitely didn't expect to be seeing like visceral gore. I was about to spoil it, but I won't. Um, yeah, but there's some like pretty disturbing shots in that yeah. movie, and they're so they're shocking. Uh, and it's like, and it's kind of nonchalant. Ooh. Like it just c- comes out of nowhere, and you're like, Whoa. yeah. Like there's one shot in particular. You're probably thinking about the same one, mm-hmm. where it just like cuts to it and. He's just like standing there in yeah. the snow and yeah, exactly. there's something next to him. And it's so disturbing and shocking. Uh-huh. That that film also like surprised me. I kind of, I remember watching it just kind of as a throwaway. It was free on Prime Video, I think. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke is in it. So yeah. Yeah. Great performance. And great. It was wonderfully directed. I mean, Paul Schrader is an absolute legend. He hit one yeah. of his films is in my top five, so. Oh yeah, yeah. I still gotta watch that one. I know what it is. Um, but you know, like Ben and I went to see the Card Counter together. Yeah. Which was yeah. another Paul Schrader film that came out last year. Pretty not amazing. It was not that. But great. do you do you see? I told I said after that film that it felt like a carbon copy of First Reform. Yeah, like, you know what? It kind of does, but just remove pretty much everything that made first reformed good yeah and just kind of like it's it's like a watered down first reformed it's like pg-13 first reformed exactly like the ending of car uh the card counter yeah like it's just the entire like climax and build up of like tension and all of that it just felt pretty much the exact same but just like not interesting um and Tiffany Haddish, I don't, I don't even know that. Her, her for Oscar Amanda Seyfried is like a bad swap, you know. That's a down. Tiffany Haddish and Oscar Isaac had the worst on-screen chemistry. Yeah, I've and the kid and the kid from time. the Tree of Life sucked. Ty Sheridan. Oh my god, I didn't even realize that was the guy from the Tree it's, of it's Life. The, that it's guy. It's one of the kids <laughs> in the Tree of Life. I just he was so bad, like. I was laughing in the theater every time he was God, talking. So like he had that monologue in the restaurant and it yeah. was awful. Um, 
Okay, so my 100th favorite movie is going to a Sir Nicolas Cage movie oh. that I watched fairly recently um, as I was preparing for, uh, what was that movie called? The Unbearable Weight of yeah. Massive Talent or whatever that mm-hmm. ended up being extremely cl- forgettable. I, yeah, it was funny. It was funny, but I did way too much prep work for that yeah, movie you watched for it to be so mid. Nicholas Cage a thon. I I did. To be fair, that was when I had COVID and right. I had nothing else better to do, but I still watched like 10 Nick Cage movies over the course it of takes like a toll. 3 days. It does take a toll. But this movie right here has my heart. I love it so much and it is called Mandy. Mm. Now, this is Nick Cage's experimental horror slasher psychological thriller surrealism like heavy metal movie i don't even know how to really describe the style of mandy because it is it is like listening to the heaviest rock song you can imagine it's like Slipknot, Corn, and Marilyn Manson all thrown into wow. one, and you're just watching madness and chaos and noise on screen. Um, there's a reason why it's like a cult film now. It's amazing. It's terrifying and also so hilarious. Uh, the fairly famous meme of Nick Cage drinking a bottle of vodka and crying on the toilet wearing his <laughs> tiger-printed underwear uh, comes from this movie. It is good to know. I, it, it it is like it's just this bloody mess of a movie that is awesome. It kind of like if I can think of a movie that it reminds me of is Drive, which is mm. one of my all time favorite movies. Good movie. It reminds me a bit of Drive if it if Drive was like ten times more intense and just loud. Um, And I loved it. It was exactly what I needed when I was recovering from COVID, laying on my couch. This was the movie that woke me up and told me to go make some dinner. So Mm -hmm. I loved this movie. Yeah. It's amazing. It's it's funny that that we're talking about that because on Friday, so in like five days, they're playing it at the Rio and I'm going to go see it. And I haven't seen it. Are they actually? Yeah. I put in... Okay, so I they the Rio everyone who is not from Vancouver listening, which apparently like sixty percent of our audience is actually from the U.S. So, um, the Rio is a local indie theater uh, in Vancouver where we live, and it's pretty much like lives. one of the only like indie theaters that you can go that isn't just playing the latest blockbusters yeah. in the city. Now. I was a regular at the Rio, Ben is still a regular at the Rio, but I'm now in university off in the East Coast and I cannot go there anymore. But I put in a request for Mandy at the Rio <laughs> in the request box like, oh, like three, four, five months ago. And I wanted that so bad and I can't believe that they're and playing it's been it now realized. That I'm not even there. And you want to know what's funny uh, is I recommended The Big Lebowski, which got played last week for the late night I movies. Was, oh my, I was so angry. I was not there for big lebowski also dazed and confused the fact that i like three of my favorite movies got played literally the week after i left vancouver so annoying but yeah you're gonna love mandy ben i'm gonna love to see it on the big screen like it's gonna be hype (laughs) it's it's crazy okay 99 yeah so for my 99th favorite film i have a classic horror movie with the thing John Carpenter's The Thing. Ooh. Watched it somewhat recently, like a couple months ago. I had never seen it, and it was playing at the Rio. Where else? Yes. And Lucas and I actually went to see this together. And, uh, yeah, it's it's scary. It's stylized. It's kind of cliche, but at the same time, like, pretty groundbreaking for the horror genre. And it's just a good time, like... I feel like most horror movies from the 80s are just way too campy to, like, actually enjoy. Um, but this movie is actually interesting and, like, super suspenseful. So would highly recommend it. 
I mean, it's pretty popular, so I'm sure a majority of listeners have probably already seen it. But if you haven't, I'd recommend watching it, preferably at night with a group of people. You know, it's just a good yeah. horror movie to throw on. If you're a horror movie fan, definitely should be checking it out. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. Don't watch the remake, even though this is technically a remake, but it's like, There's don't a watch remake? the new remake. There is? It was a... There, there is a remake hmm. uh, from, like, it's on Netflix, um, and I always get confused, and then I realize that's not John Carpenter's, that's the remake. Right. Uh, yeah, that movie's awesome. The puppet work is just incredible. Um, okay, yeah, love that movie. That's on my list a little mm-hmm. further up. 99 for me is a little hidden gem called Captain Fantastic. Now... Ooh. This is starring Viggo Mortensen. Uh, He got nominated for the Oscar that year for his performance in this movie. But that was about all of the recognition this film got. It is a really just heartwarming, but also original, very original movie that uh, really looks into family dynamics and Mm. uh, religion within family and how that can... uh, affect children and uh, older generations within the family. It's a very heartwarming film, but also a very dark film to a certain extent. It covers a lot of like heavy subject matter, um, but it has some phenomenal child performances. Uh, this was kind of the breakout role for, um, oh, what was his name? George McKay, 1917. Mm. Right. Uh, this was kind of his big role. He plays the eldest son in this movie, um, and yeah, it's just it's just a really enjoyable watch. It's one that uh, you kind of you kind of are tense when you watch it. You're a little angry, but it like ends with a nice heartwarming like sigh of relief. It's right. just it's just a good movie. I love it. It's I have not seen for it. Me. It sounds great. I'll definitely check it out at some point. Um, yeah, okay, so moving on to number 98, I've got a classic movie, Inglorious Bastards. Uh, it, it might seem a little low, but I've definitely... I was I gonna like, say. I feel like, I feel you like know, it's moved down quite a bit. I've seen this movie, like, five times, and yeah. it's a great movie. It's a phenomenal movie. I love this movie, but I feel like the longer and longer I sit on it, just kind of the less I like it compared to like some other Tarantino movies but at the same time Mm. I'm still acknowledging it's a great movie I just feel like as time passes I just don't find myself like thinking about it and quoting it as much Um, but obviously it's still one of his best and has some of the most hilarious on-screen moments of all time also some of the most brutal on-screen moments of all time and yeah. it's really just a prime example of a Tarantino film. Like, if anyone was going to make this retelling of the story of the Nazis, it would be Tarantino. It's pretty perfect for him. So it's definitely one of his masterpieces. Yeah. I mean, that's my favorite Tarantino movie ever. I agree with you, though. It's one of those films that you do kind of, like, forget about. If, yeah. If you you like when you think back on it, you're like, oh yeah, but then whenever I rewatch it, I'm like, reminded how brilliant it is. Mm. Um, yeah, love and glorious bastards. Okay, ninety eight for me. I rewatched this recently. I was kind of doing a rewatch of my top one hundred films because I felt like a lot of them I hadn't seen in so many years, and I didn't actually know if they were properly placed. Yeah, I still um, feel like. like that. Yeah, there's there's a there's still some in here that I haven't got to yet that I've literally I haven't seen in like eight years. <laughs> so, um, but this one was one of those. But I rewatched it like a few months ago, and that is Black Swan. Mm. Um, yeah, I I hadn't seen this in like uh, six years maybe. Um, but Natalie Portman obviously won the Oscar. It's Darren Aronofsky film, so it is psychologically terrifying. Um, I definitely understood this movie so much more 
when I watched it a few months ago, it genuinely uh, terrified me and shocked me. And I felt so much more upon this rewatch than I did uh, first time. Mm. It is such a dark movie, man. Like, it is dark. It is just, like, anxiety-inducing. Covers so much about, like, mental illness, but also um, dance culture, but also, like, uh, the like, constant, like, um, what, what's what's that theme that's often used in, in film? The uh, perfect artist or... Right. I forget the exact... The, but yeah but it's um yeah yeah. i know what you're talking obviously yeah (laughs) it's it's an amazing movie uh that i i adore the ending i i really don't it's it's a hard movie to describe it's just like one where when you watch it you you just you're gonna feel it you're gonna feel so many emotions and it's it's just an amazing watch all right yeah, no, I love Black Swan. It's in my top 100, and I'll be talking about it soon, so then you can hear more of my thoughts. Uh, but for right now, moving on to 97th favorite, is a movie I watched about six months ago called Paris, Texas. Ooh. And this is a pretty classic like art house film that I had heard a lot about and seen a lot about but I had never watched it, and I actually didn't know anything about it. I had no idea what it was about when I sat yeah. down to watch it. And it turned out to just be this really bleak, like, real look at family and just, like, this father figure played by Harry Dean Stanton, the late, great Harry Dean Stanton. Um, and it was just really good. And the cinematography is incredible. It's all shot in these, well, at least for the start of the film, in this big desert landscape, and it just looks really cool. Uh, And this film also just has one of the best endings of all time. If you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about, Um, but it's kind of hard to talk about without spoiling. And yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that I could talk about, but I feel like it would kind of spoil it. yeah, that's been on my watch list forever. Yeah, um, it's really good. It, just, it, it deals it. with, uh, you know, a man who, who doesn't really know or remember who he is. And so if I, like, speak on any scenes that happen after 20 minutes into the movie, it's kind of spoiling it. Um, but what I will say is that it's a slow burn. It's, it's like two and a half hours. And there is long stretches with no dialogue. So... Be prepared for that if you're going to watch it. Um, But this features some absolutely incredible performances, great music, great cinematography, and just a really heartbreaking story. So definitely check it out. Nice. Nice. Um, Okay. Now, my next film is probably the lowest rated Lairbox film that is in my top 100, number 97 has a 3.2 on Letterbox. Absolutely criminal, in my opinion. And this film is called It Comes at Night. Mm. It is Trey Edward Schultz, um, A24 film. Prior to Waves, this is his uh, horror slash psychological thriller film. Nice. Uh, I love this movie. I will stand behind this movie Till the day I die, I do not understand the 3.2 rating at all, although I do understand to a certain extent audience score being low. This film has a fairly high uh, Rotten Tomato score, but a terrible audience score, and I think a lot of that has to do with false advertising. This film, they made it seem like it was like a monster movie, and it's not. It's not a monster movie. There's no monster um it's way more psychological about family dynamics and this like really it, 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 i call it covid-19 the movie the horror movie because uh well it's about it's basically about a global wide pandemic turned into mm. this terrifying psychological like claustrophobic family drama the ending is one of the most disturbing and bleak and just uh, genuinely gut-wrenching endings 
I've ever Damn. seen. Like when this movie ends, it's like you're just like, holy shit! Like, <laughs> oh my god, I cannot believe it just ended. I like gotta that. watch this movie. Um, it's just it's it's I love it. You know, you gotta go into this film realizing that it's not it's not a slasher movie. It's not like a creature flick, because I feel like the title it comes at night it it sends mixed signals people are going to go into it thinking it's a monster movie obviously and that makes sense and it's not so if you go in with the right mindset and you're like yes i'm going to watch an art house horror movie that is a lot more along the lines of something like the witch or you know just it's it's not it's not a it's not a monster movie so if you go in with that mindset and you like art house indie horror a24 style it's a awesome movie also all the aspect ratio changes per trey edward uh oh it does that too you know oh so many there's so many aspect okay now i really gotta watch this movie i'll watch it kind of around halloween time maybe oh yeah um okay yeah yeah okay number 96 on my list is a little movie called moonlight i don't know if you guys have heard of it um but it like no i'm just kidding everybody like, knows moonlight it, it, <laughs> caused it kind of the one biggest, best picture yeah it's it sort it may be one best picture sort of um i don't this movie what is there to say that hasn't already been said you know uh it is just a heartbreaking movie it's a beautiful movie it's so well written the performances are great and it's really just this raw like beautiful portrayal of this evolution of character through childhood teenage years and young adulthood um and you just see the growth see the changes see like all the chapters of uh um of his life and so mm-hmm it's really just one of the most real down to earth movies that's come out of like the last decade and just one of the best, like sort of indie movies, I guess. I don't actually know like what the budget of this movie was, but just a raw, real simple movie like this. Definitely one of the best from the last decade. And some scenes like the scene with Mahershala Ali, uh, like holding him in the ocean it's just it's just beautiful just deserves a chef's kiss that's cinema right there oh yeah that's the best scene in the whole movie right there mm-hmm. uh lowest budget film to win best picture until nomadland i believe right. if we're talking if we're talking like uh money wise in the 21st century right yeah. Obviously, there were cheaper films in the early 1900s, but it doesn't transfer over the same way. Moonlight is an amazing film. It's actually not in my top 100, but it still is a five, uh, four and a half star film for me. But it's been budged out. I have a lot of four and a half star movies now that I've been watching recently. Yeah. Um, I used to not have a lot, but now I do not have a single four star film in my top 100. Uh, so. Moving on, number 96. One of the most uh, mm, depressing films ever made. Mm. I guess we could say that. Uh, I got Schindler's <laughs> List right here. Oh. Uh, yeah. Steven Spielberg's possibly magnum opus, I guess we could say. I'm yeah. sure there's arguments. Yeah. Other things, we could argue Jaws. We could argue Saving Private Ryan. But in my opinion, this is probably his masterpiece. It's definitely the closest home to him. It is a film that tackles, oh, so many, so many social issues and injustices and obviously one of the most horrifying events in history. Um, it's it's an amazing movie. Like, yeah. it is beautiful and horrific and i don't know if i'll ever watch it again i haven't watched it in a good uh, since since i did my exhibition in grade seven but um ray fines is yeah liam neeson gives the performance of a fucking career 
filled oh with God. taken threes. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> Batman's, you know. Batman's and and Love Actually, and he yeah. has a weird filmography. So uh, weird. Star Wars. But, like, yeah. <laughs> Schindler's, and then he's just, yeah, Schindler, Schindler's List. Yeah, but you know what? What can you even say that hasn't been said? It's a masterpiece. It's an epic movie, and it will probably uh make you cry and make you want to never watch it again but it is important that you watch it at some point in your life it's a very important and influential film that just needs to be seen by everyone for sure okay number 95 is a movie that we actually did on the podcast uh eternal sunshine of the spotless mind Oh my god, it's so low, Ben. <laughs> well, so low. It's, I, it's really good. Ah, that's all I have to say. It's really good. Ugh. Performance of a career from Jim Carrey. This script is incredible. Um, just one of the coolest ideas uh, ever. It's definitely one of my favorite, like, sad boy, heartbreaking movies. Um that i'd like to watch it's it's artsy it's it's kind of pretentious it's got a great cast including mark ruffalo and elijah wood and you know david cross like those types of guys and jim carrey for god's sakes in this just super depressing movie which i feel like is so out of character for all of them uh but it just works. And Kate Winslet. Yeah, Kate Winslet. The Kirsten most like, different like, character she's ever played. I was watching this film called Little Children the other day, which she's mm. in, and it was like it was only like two years after Eternal Sunshine. And I was just like I was thinking about that. I was like, oh my god, her acting, the difference within her character in this movie and Eternal Sunshine. It's like night and day. You can't even recognize the two characters. They're like she yeah. is I feel she's a like great actress. She she's an amazing actress, and I don't want to say she's underappreciated because everyone knows Kate Winslet. But at the same time, I feel like no one ever talks about her when they talk about like the great actresses. Yeah, I mean, she's just been in so many, like, you know, she's Revolutionary Road, Titanic, I guess that yeah. kind of movie where it's just really popular. But yeah. maybe the nuance of the performance isn't appreciated because it's just like a classic movie like yeah i don't know if people she's, realize how hard she like carries titanic which is a terrible oh, movie so true. But, uh, you like know. i think it's her and julianne moore for me that i feel like every oh, time i see them moore in a movie sure. they're like perfect they're perfect yeah. every time i see them in a movie and julianne moore i don't hear incredible. a lot of people talk about them yeah yeah kate winslet is like the julianne moore of the 2000s yeah i mean julianne moore was still doing <laughs> stuff but like you know yeah yeah so eternal sunshine of the spotless mind it's a little low but i did just buy this movie on dvd at a bookstore actually so i'll probably rewatch it soon and might get bumped up ben is growing his dvd collection what happened is um i have like moved out of my dad's house i'm just living at my mom's because it's super close to my university and he you know he's like do you want to just take all my DVDs because I'll never watch any of them. Like he doesn't watch DVDs anymore. He's a busy guy. And I was like, sure. Yeah. And so now I've got a good basis to start a DVD collection. Hey, that's sweet. Got some classics, I mean, have hella criterion editions of like all sorts of Wes Anderson movies. I got the, uh, the Godfather trio box set. I got the Brazil box set. Nice. Just, just some good movies on DVD. My so. DVD collection has come to a halt since I have moved to the East Coast, but it was no good it's DVD stores over there. No, there is, but I'm like I I I can't transfer it to my it, amazing right. bookshelf in Vancouver. Yeah, I brought some DVDs here though, just to like decorate the apartment. My favorites, nice. but yeah, okay, ninety five for me. This film uh, is the oldest film that's going to be on my list. Uh, came out in the 1930s. Really Whoa. old. Um, I watched this when I was doing the Criterion Channel, which I or Criterion Challenge, which I which gave I up on. Gave up on so in quick. like March. It, it starts out um, easy when it's by decade, and then you get to like 
just some to weird so, stuff. So weird, so artsy. I tried for like a couple weeks and I just, oh man, mm. it gets rough. Um, yeah. Anyway, this film is called Make Way for Tomorrow. Um, it is, uh, you know, it's a film about old age. It's about an old couple that have been separated due to uh, financial troubles and their children being just not great human beings. Um, and it's really, it's a film that just analyzes uh, how we treat old people, how we treat our own parents when they Damn. get old. Um, this is the film that um, Mr. Mister Citizen Kane himself, why Mr. can Orson I not Wells. <laughs> Orson Welles, I can't believe I just forgot his name. Um, Orson Welles said that this movie could make a rock cry. That Damn, is that's his deep. quote on this movie, and this film made me ball. I haven't actually cried this hard watching a movie like ever. I think. Um, yeah. This this movie made me cry so hard, not because it's like depressing, but just because it's like it's 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 touching and sad, and the ending's very ambiguous, and it's just it's 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 a really beautiful movie that I also feel like. You know, everyone talks about Citizen Kane. Everyone talks about, you know, those great French New Wave films and all of that. Uh, watch this movie if you want some old cinema. Make Way for Tomorrow, 1930s. Obviously very influential because it's such an old movie. Um, it's one of the first, like, big realism films, mm. especially in those olden days. And no one ever talks about it. So go watch it. It's a Criterion film. It's beautiful it's it's funny that i just sorted my uh, top 100 by oldest and the oldest movie on my list which is not nearly as old it's from like 1949 also made me cry the hardest out of like any movie i've seen recently and i'll talk about that much much later old uh, movies they just hit different sometimes yeah some it's just they knew what was up there was a lot of sadness in the world back then and they channeled yeah. it very well um but in my number four spot, I've got a movie that Lucas will certainly say is too low. Uh, it's Prisoners Ooh. by Denis Villeneuve. Okay. I've seen it To be fair, twice. it's moved down my list a little bit. True. Yeah. I've seen it twice, and the rewatch definitely brought it down a fair bit. Um, but that's not to say that this isn't still one of the best thriller movies ever made. I mean, the ending scene where Jake Gyllenhaal is driving high oh speeds. God, I won't I give away anything so else, but that scene still makes my heart pump like oh. no other movie could. Uh, this movie is incredible. Really, the first time I watched it, I went in completely blind, and that's how you got to do it because the yeah. twists and turns that this movie takes you on, the way it ends is just so heart-wrenching. Yeah. It's it's really amazing how emotionally invested in this movie you can become. And the two and a half hour runtime flies by. I still can't believe it's that this two movie. Two and a half hours? It's yeah, that's I know. I'm just I, looking at it right I, now. Like what? I can't that's believe crazy. that this this movie is it's longer so than Enemy. This is an this movie is an hour longer than Enemy, which is another movie that he did oh, in the same en year. Enemy great, <laughs> but it feels so much longer. Yeah. Uh, like this movie is as long as 2001 A Space Odyssey and yet feels about three times as fast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, So that's, yeah. I guess that's just a testament to how, like, true to the name of the genre of thriller this movie mm. is. Um, yeah. But, oh, yeah. Prisoners. I rewatched it the day it, like, got released on Netflix. I saw it on my Netflix and was like, yeah, that's you know when, what? That's when I, I watched it for it. the first time is when it came out on Netflix. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah first time i watched it was like on an airplane and that was not great um but god i love that movie it definitely has moved down my list a little bit i've been like even when i was just is it still five stars though yeah it's still five stars i still yeah. think it's a five star movie but it's a low five star it's like a 96 percent right. on the five stars and i see that's, I see. that's the lowest my fives go i don't go below 96 if it's a five star um <laughs> Yeah. Okay, 94 for me. 
Uh, also rewatched this recently with my mother, who I can't believe watched this movie with me, and that is Uncut Gems. Mm. Um, Adam Sandler's and eh, not my, not his best performance in my opinion. I believe Punch Drunk Love is a better performance, but uh, everyone everyone thinks about this movie when they think great performance by Adam Sandler. It's a great movie, anxiety inducing. Uh, very anxiety inducing oh my god mm-hmm. even upon yeah. rewatch this movie had my heart pumping um safty brothers obviously killed kill it it's not as good as good time in my opinion but it's still so entertaining similar to prisoners i believe it's like two hours and 15 two hours and 20 yeah it's like, it's like two it's 20. a decent yeah it's a decent length film but it flies by it flies yeah. by, especially that last like thirty minutes, where like so much is happening and like all the gambling is going on and the basketball yeah. game is going on, like that last act flies by, like and you are just engaged the entire time. Um, I don't think it, the story, it I, it doesn't go as deep as I think I would have liked it to go, but it's still such an awesome movie and a lot of fun but also very stressful to watch yeah that's for sure um i love uncut gems i've still only seen it once but it's a great movie it's not my favorite safety brothers movie as we will discuss later um but it's a great movie uh moving on to my number 93 spot is a french new wave film uh called hiroshima mon amour and Ooh, French this wave. this movie, listen. I will actually agree with Lucas. Most I will. I've seen a couple Godard films. Actually, rest in peace. He just died like a week ago. Um, and to speak on his films, you know, they're not my favorite. I I've seen mm-hmm. Breathless and Alphaville, which I didn't like them that much. But mm-hmm. I do respect and appreciate all that he did for cinema. And, I mean, you yeah. can see how those films completely changed the way that films would be made forever. So rest in peace. Yeah, 100. Yeah, definitely. French but, New Wave, of course, it's influential. With that just, being I said, I usually am pretty skeptical of them. Uh, and the real reason I watch this one is, A, the title is cool, uh, and B, True. it's very highly rated. And, you know, it's it's only an hour and a half, so I thought, you know, what could go wrong? And little did sure. I know that this movie is just, oh, it's, okay, I, I also recently watched the Before Trilogy, or, well, I watched the first two, I still have to watch um, Before Midnight, Ooh. but okay. this movie is everything that I had hoped those movies would be, because the plot of this movie, and this is from 1959, is a French actress who is in Japan shooting like a movie and she just ha- it's a one long conversation between her and this Japanese guy in her one night in Hiroshima before she has to go back to France and it, like first of all clearly you know influenced a lot of before the before trilogy but this is kind of different uh because this one there's a lot of flashbacks and as i understand it you know this film obviously was very influential through its use of flashbacks and they are just mm-hmm amazing like this story um like the woman's past which is explored like through flashbacks as she's talking to this guy is just like heartbreaking and so sad and uh this is just a super melancholy movie and it you know the just the moody black and white cinematography like it just feels so sad feels so depressing because obviously it's set in like late 1940s Hiroshima which as you can imagine was not a very happy place uh but I mean yeah this is just really an essential art house film for anyone who's either studying film or likes film or if you like sad movies I would highly recommend checking this one out um nice or if you've or if you like the before trilogy because I think this would be up your alley if you did because it's fairly similar but like at the same time like a totally different vibe, less romantic, more uh, depressing. So yeah, hmm. great movie. OG conversation film. Yeah, the OGest conversation film. <laughs> um. Okay. Nice. 
My number 93, a little controversial, I guess. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, okay. Now, uh, this film gets a lot of mixed reviews as far as Tarantino films go. Um, I love it. I believe that it is one of Tarantino's best. I will stand by that. It is not my favorite. I have, I believe, two above this, but that means it's my third favorite Tarantino film. Um, This film has grown on me so much since I watched it the first time. Um, Upon rewatch, I caught so much more detail. This film is like... It is like Tarantino just being as perfect as possible. Uh, I would call it like comparable to PTA's There Will Be Blood in the Execution. Everything is exactly how he wants it, it's perfect. It's executed perfectly. There isn't a single issue technically, performance-wise, everything is great. It could be edited down a little bit. It's a little long. I will give it that. There might be a bit too much uh, Margot Robbie sitting in a movie theater. But... um, That scene really drags on, eh? (laughs) here. But this is... this. It's a love letter to Hollywood in the 70s. It's a love letter to Tarantino's favorite types of films, which are um, spaghetti westerns. And it has possibly the funniest ending of all time. It's a great ending scene. I, it, I just rewatched this on an airplane, and it wasn't... Like, obviously it went down a bit. But that's I was trying to be as little biased from the airplane as possible. I just think it's too long. It just drags, to be honest. Yeah, it's long. It's long. But I feel like, I don't know. I take away so much from this film. And, like, the payoff, I feel like if it wasn't as long, the ending wouldn't be as funny. Like, it's yeah, that payoff because you're, con- it's, you're just, like, you're waiting for something to happen because it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. You're waiting for stuff to go down and there's so many like teases like when he's at manson's farm and all of like when he's there's so many like times where you think something's gonna happen and then it all just explodes at the very end and it's one of my favorite movie going experiences ever the theater was literally you couldn't hear a word that was being said everyone was like dying of laughter um it's just i don't know it's a great i think it's a great movie um and i love it i love it okay number 92 on my list is possibly one of the most like grueling movie experiences you can ever have and that is the human condition one no greater love by masaki kobayashi um this is the first movie in his human condition trilogy starring one of my favorite actors tatsuya nakadai who is in a ton of Kurosawa movies, just a ton of great legendary Japanese movies. And now more recently, he plays like old men in Miyazaki movies. So he's a legendary actor. Mm. Uh, But Jesus, this movie is not for the, a casual viewing. It is uh, three and a half hours, black and white from the fifties. And it is just a absolutely brutal portrayal of, uh, like, Manchurian prison camps in the Second World War overseen by the Japanese. And basically, uh, the main character is assigned to be a supervisor at one of these internment camps um, because he wants to avoid duty as a soldier. He's like a, he's a conscientious uh, objector, so, you know, he doesn't believe in war. And this movie is just one of the best anti-war movies that's ever been done. Um, and I don't know, it's just, it's so brutal, it's so messed up, there's so many, like, just awful scenes of human <laughs> abuse. Uh, and, you know, it is, like, what it says, the human condition, it, it portrays that incredibly well, and I promise you that it's worth the three and a half hours to sit through this one. Uh, <laughs> And I still haven't seen the other two movies in the, like, trilogy, because obviously mm-hmm. they're fucking three and a half hours long each. 
Yeah. Uh, I feel like but, I saw that movie for the Criterion Challenge, and I was going to watch it, and then I checked the runtime, and yeah, it's no. it's really long, but it I promise you, it's actually good. I'm not just giving it a high rating because it's like the twentieth highest rated movie on Letterboxd. It is actually that good. Okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'll add it to my watch list. My go. watch list is getting so short. I need to add so many more movies to my, it. Uh, my watch list is around 1,500 movies. Yeah, mine is like 130 <laughs> or something. Like, it's so short. Um, I got to start adding more because whenever I'm looking through it for what to watch, I'm like, it's the same stuff every time yeah, I look through I, it. Yeah, I have um, never had the issue of, like, f- trying to find something to watch because yeah. there's so much. Yeah, I've actually been scrolling through your watch list recently. Nice. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm just watching is, the movies that I haven't seen, but that I want yeah, to see. <laughs> yeah, because I like mine. Is I'm just not in the is mood for them. Is that why you watched Idiocracy? And I don't have yeah, Idiocracy. <laughs> yesterday I couldn't think. I couldn't find anything to watch. I wasn't in the mood for something like dramatic, and I couldn't watch anything long. I put the thing to like shortest runtime, and the first thing that came up was Idiocracy. And I was like, let's do it. It's free on Disney+. Plus." That thing was hilarious. I can um, imagine. I love Luke Wilson, and I love Maya Rudolph. Like, I really want to watch that movie. Dude, it is the stupidest movie I've ever seen, but in such a funny way. Like, it knows it's stupid. Like, it's not stupid because it's actually stupid. Like, it knows how stupid it is, and that's what's so funny about it. That's awesome. I got to check um, out. Okay. Number 92... This movie, it it's grown so much on me. It was like a three and a half star when I first saw it. It is now a four and a half star, and that film is a ghost story. Hey, um, the movie I have we now, parodied. <laughs> yeah, we Ben and I parodied this film with a bunch of little children. Yeah, don't ask why. We just did. No, okay. You can job. know that it was for work. Yeah, I was going to say. It was for work. Like, at oh, least give a little bit of context. Like. We're sponsored by Young Movie Makers. It's where okay. we work. It's okay. a camp. I guess we're doing a shout out for Young Movie Makers. Go check yeah, them go, out. Go sign up if you live in the Vancouver area. I promise you. Yeah. It is it's awesome. awesome. It's, it's what inspired to us, us to do maybe. this. Yeah. And I mean, um, it's really what inspired both of our loves for films. So shout out young go on their youtube channel and look up a ghost forest (laughs) yeah that is our parody film uh it is it's actually pretty good (laughs) like i'll admit it's pretty good it's it's extremely sad for a young movie maker film but hey okay a ghost story um i've now seen this film three times which means i have seen rooney mara eat a pie for a total of 21 minutes um that that is like an entire episode of the office that i have watched rooney mara eat a pie um with that being said i'll do it again probably within the next year because this movie is just it's it's so beautiful and makes me think so much like it just it sends me through an existential crisis every time i watch it um and every time I've watched it, it has like been better and better and better and better. Like I genuinely think if I watch this movie enough times, it will eventually become like a five star film for me. Um, yeah, it's Casey really good. Affleck is just in a cloak. He's in a ghost suit the entire movie. And this uh, is like but, this is like a reverse Prisoners because this movie is only like an hour and 20 minutes and it feels yeah. like it's three hours long <laughs> yeah it's 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 a long movie like it it's slow and it's hard to get through but if you like get through it and you're like focused oh it, the payoff's amazing and mm-hmm. dude the original song in this movie is a banger so i good. love that song so much it's actually like a song on my spotify like i love it so much such a banger um yeah Great movie. Go check it out. It's short. It's slow, but it's short, so go check it out. Okay, so to finish off this these 10 movies, we got my number 91, which is a score the first Scorsese movie of I think a couple on this list, which is After Hours. Um mm. this movie is hilarious. It is so funny. It is definitely one of Scorsese's 
like most consistently funny and it's also one of if not the weirdest movie by scorsese that i have ever seen it is just so bizarre to think that this is the same guy who would just like a couple years later make goodfellas and the last temptation of christ like this movie is just so far detached from any like masculine style that he usually has like i feel like a lot of scorsese movies are just really you know portrayals of that toxic masculinity that yeah true is like present with gangsters and this movie is just so weird it's about a word processor who goes to (laughs) visit this girl in soho who he meets at a coffee shop and she like gives him her number and he goes to meet her and then just this crazy series of events happens where he's just trying to get home. He gets he gets stood up and he's just trying to like get home. The whole movie is just him wandering around New York at like <laughs> three AM and just weird things happen to him. Like it's just so, I can't I just like talking about it just makes me remember like I, I just can't believe this movie exists. Um it's just okay, so, wait, I gotta watch this. It's so How goofy. Have I not seen this movie? <laughs> like it's I just, love Scorsese. And it's so funny. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, I watched it with like for a while in the in the fall. We were doing like me and a couple other friends. Uh, we're just doing like movie nights, like twice a week, and we would all just get together and watch movies. Um, and this was one of the ones we watched. So there was just like ten of us just dying of laughter. Like, <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend this movie. It's like pretty. It's definitely not one of more like the more popular Scorsese movies, but it should be because it's so just out there and it doesn't even have like any actor who's usually in it, uh, in a, in a Scorsese movie. Like it's, it's Griffin Dunn who I'm not sure, I guess he's in like Dallas buyers club. It look, Oh, he's, he's the main character in an American werewolf in London. Uh, Oh, but other than that, watch this for a while. Yeah. Same. But but other than that, you know, he really hasn't been in anything. Like, this is this is just a breath of fresh air. So I highly recommend watching it if you want to see something weird and funny. Check it out. I don't know where you can watch it. Um, looks like Amazon. True. So, okay. yeah. I gotta watch it. Gotta so watch fun. it. Scorsese. Um, okay, let's finish this up. 91. My 91. Uh... Rewatched this not too long ago. Jordan Peele's directorial Ooh. debut, Get Out. Good um, movie. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it, like, I mean, everyone knows Get Out. Everyone's seen it. It's an amazing movie. It's one of the greatest horror movies ever made. It's also so funny. I mean, I cannot explain to you how loud I was laughing when I watched this last time with my friends and the last scene happens and Mr. Yeah. Rod boy (laughs) pulls up. I love Um, Rod. Rod is my favorite Jordan Peele character ever. (laughs) He's it's just the juxtaposition between his character and the the entire rest of the movie (laughs) is so funny. Like it's just the most brutal, like, terrifying ending and then he just like pulls up and, and just he's like yo delivers i told you such bro. funny line um yeah get out i mean will jordan peele ever top it probably Definitely not. not um i just saw nope in theaters and thought it was okay i enjoyed nope um but Dude, nope. The monkey stuff, man. That yeah, the monkey stuff bump, was that. good. But honestly, just that what scene, the hell? Dude. Like what? What? Uh, I gotta like it's, watch an explained video or something. It's just it's just about it's just about animal like yeah yeah like I get that actor and like yeah okay okay and, so it's not like there's actors. nothing yeah okay okay um, I don't need to watch an explained video. It's just yeah. a good scene. It's not that deep. It's just yeah. It's dude, not that deep. It just is... it's just like so much better than the rest of the movie. Yeah, the monkey <laughs> scene, like, bro. That's place. like oh my god! It's so random, but it's so amazing. That's like one of my favorite scenes of the year. Um, Us was eh. Get Out's a masterpiece. Um, and yeah, that that's gonna close us off for this episode. One hundred. Mm-hmm. To 91. Now, this one's a little bit longer, but that's because we had to do our introduction and our 
Welcome back to the podcast. We had to get back into it. You know, you can't just go from zero to a hundred. Exactly. You got to ease your way into it. Um, but from here on out, we are going to be coming to you with the rest of our top one hundred. We promise we'll actually finish it this time. Yeah. Um, and we'll also come to you with just some fun episodes where we'll just be talking about whatever we want to talk about just everything movies so stay tuned check your spotify your apple music your apple podcast wherever you listen to your podcast we are there slightly qualified film students follow us on instagram we also have a youtube channel which blew up while we were um on hiatus uh kind of funny but you know check us crazy. out on there too check us out on youtube we'll have to do some stuff on there too because we have weirdly a lot of subscribers and yeah. um yeah thank you for listening welcome back and instead we'll, of we'll seeing see you, you next week we'll see you whenever we feel like we'll, it. See, we'll see you whenever <laughs> okay peace Thank you for listening to Slightly Qualified Film Students. Make sure to tune in next week for a new film discussion and review. Our theme song is Slightly Sexy by Thompson Springs. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a like. Send us feedback and comments as well as your thoughts on the film. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at S underscore Q underscore F underscore S. If you would like to send us a question or a comment for next week's episode, you can email us at sqfilmstudents at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.